Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, February the 1st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're talking tanking. We'll jump into the Twitter mailbag and preview Sunday's big game, the last game of football we get to see until next August. It's a sad, sad day. But before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have some good content up there from the other writers on staff. So check that stuff out as well as all of my work there as well. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts with draft season coming up. Check out Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes for all your draft coverage this draft season and I could sit here and bore you guys with my story about the guy at the gym that won't leave me alone or some of my classes or terrible artwork going on over at Washington State University but let's go ahead and jump right in that's another Miami Dolphins tanking tanking is the story the topic the word of the day and the insistence of tanking for the 2019 Miami Dolphins is running rampant all over the social medias and it's really perpetuated by a select few. A few that frankly, I really don't understand why so many are taking those reports as real, true, concrete evidence and facts. I mean, every beat writer out there had Miami drafting a quarterback in 2018 in the first round. Hell, remember all those reports and some of those from truly genuine sources, but even more of them were from people that pretend to have sources on Twitter, which by the way, we got to kill that part of Twitter, guys. Don't retweet it. Don't comment on it. That's the only way that stuff will go away. But despite some of those reports, we later find out that Gaze, in fact, did not like Josh Rosen, like so many folks wanted to say that he did. He was more smitten by Baker Mayfield, and we knew that, but also Josh Allen and the big arm and the raw, tangible traits that he offered coming out of Wyoming. So again, I guess I can be frank here. It's Armando Salguero that does have connected sources. He really does. He's a good bit of information once the season gets here and rolls around when there's a little bit more truth-telling going on. And that right there is the imperative part. Whoever is feeding him this information has their own agenda right now. And while Armando's agenda is to piss in the cornflakes of all Dolphins fans everywhere, I mean, somebody had to replace the big O, I promise you this. The Dolphins' agenda themselves is not to make sure that Armando Salguero has the latest and greatest information on this football team. And while Barry Jackson, who I think is terrific by the way, has corroborated some of these ports, the same thing is true there with the sources feeding him this information. Whether it's coaching changes, free agency, or the grand poobah of it all, the NFL draft, the information, or rumors rather, that you guys hear from now until April are really just words to the wind. It should be taken with a massive grain of salt. Don't take it too seriously. Now, as for the tank and where I weigh in on it, is that what the Dolphins intend to do in 2019? No, no, it's not. Of course it's not. There's no such thing as tanking in the NFL. 
you can bypass free agency and pass on some of the guys that really go for higher market value than they're worth and put minimal effort on the roster overhaul that way. That's one thing you can do, but a lot of people think that's the best way to approach free agency. You can start a subpar quarterback. That's an option. I mean, the Jets did go into a season with Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg as their best options one year, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities. But even then, what are you marginalizing? Four, maybe five or six positions? tops what about all those coaches that put in 100 hour work weeks find me someone that works 100 hours in a week and then throws all 100 hours of that work into the trash can and lights it on fire that person does not exist and if they do they're not in the nfl where hard work trumps everything so the term tank is woefully woefully misguided They aren't going to try to intentionally lose games come Sunday in the fall down in Miami. Now, the term that we should be using is a rebuild, and that's totally fair. But even then, I might not necessarily agree that it is necessary. A rebuild suggests that you are barren of talent all the way around, that you need to tear it down completely and refocus the core group of your roster. And yes, this team is lacking in overall elite blue chip level talent. I don't think anybody would argue that. Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel are the only players that are blue chippers right now at this moment. But there are about 10 others that could become that in the near future, maybe by the end of 2019. And that's where this impressive coaching staff comes in. And it is an impressive coaching staff full of championship pedigree, experience, and evidence of successful positional groups and bright forward-thinking minds that have the next level in mind in terms of their NFL careers and where the league is heading. Those guys are hired to take Minka Fitzpatrick from a pretty damn good player to an all-pro. Marion Hobby on the defensive line. He is here to turn Vincent Taylor from a nice story in the sixth round out of Oklahoma State into a seven sack per year, two gapping defensive tackle nightmare. Jim Caldwell is here to mold whoever the project quarterback might be, whether it's this year or next year. And that right there, the absence of the quarterback is the reason this whole idea exists. Everyone knows the Dolphins' odds are long to make a run at the Super Bowl in 2020, or 2019 rather, and they should be. But the only reason that's the case, the only reason is because the quarterback position is in the utter abyss at the moment. You drop a Kyler Murray into the fold and he has an impact like Russell Wilson or RG3 or whoever it is that played the best as a rookie quarterback, Baker Mayfield this year, take your pick. Nobody feels that way about this team anymore. Nobody. I promise you, I guarantee you. Everyone thinks, gee, this secondary with Rashad Jones, Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, TJ McDonald, it's actually pretty fucking good. They think, oh, gee, Rick, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, those guys are both awesome. They think Kenyon Drake, what an explosive running back that can hit you in the pass game and the running game. It's all about the quarterback, guys, and that's why you're reading this stuff. The quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, and the uncertainty about the potential of grabbing one to quell that concern is where this tank idea comes into play because if you can't get Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray, yes, you are going to flat out suck in 2019 because Teddy Bridgewater might be able to save you a few games but he's not going to come here and turn the franchise around in the other direction and change the way people view the Miami Dolphins as an organization and as a football team in the NFL. So in order to maintain sanity as a Finns fan, you're conditioned to think that the only way it can get better is if you get to Otunga Vailoa. And the only way to get him is to lose all of your games. And that's just not true. I mean, Justin Herbert is in play there. I guess people fancy him a little bit. I really don't see that one. Jake Fromm will likely come out as well. I quite like him. So there's no 
there's no doubts about the fact that next year's quarterback class overall is better than this one, even though I feel very strongly and highly about Kyler Murray. Next year's group cumulatively is far better. It's all just a shallow, narrow-minded way of saying this team doesn't have its franchise quarterback and that they probably won't get him in 2019. That's it. It's all it is. It's people with a surface-level understanding of the game, people that think the quarterback is the only one that matters, and don't get me wrong, it's the most important position in all of sports, but this idea is being perpetuated by folks that offer a deadly combination of two things. One, a great platform to reach many, many people and many, many fans, but couple that with the second part, which is a lack of understanding of the game, a lack of putting the time in that it takes to learn this game, to grind the tape. It's the ESPN watchers that are pushing this narrative of the tank, and it's more about a rebuild and trying to get this roster as best it can possibly be going forward, and that does not include trading away your best players and creating more holes that you have to fill when you when you suck and get those draft picks in return. So that's my thought on tanking. A lot of you guys asked me about it on Twitter. There it is, and speaking of that, we've got a full Twitter mailbag here on the other side of the podcast, and we'll get to that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at NFL and the show, at Locked On Fins. Just touching back on that tank topic one more time before I move on here to the Twitter mailbag on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And this fed into an idea I'm going to do a write-up for on LockedOnDolphins.com. And it might even be up there right now. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to write tonight after recording this podcast as I am recording right now at 5 o'clock out on the West Coast. But if I do, it's going to be a series that starts with Cordrea Tankersley and shows you some of the ways that some of these forgotten guys on the roster, on the bottom of the roster, can have a resurgence and rebound and have valuable careers for the Miami Dolphins going forward. And Cordrea Tankersley, he's not in that core. Do not get that twisted. But that core of guys that aren't quite blue chippers yet, or maybe they're not blue chippers by any stretch of the imagination, like I talked about in the open with Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel, there's a handful of them. Kenyon Drake as a dual threat player in the passing game and running game who was really prohibited by Frank Gore and Adam Gaze's love for the veteran running back who, I'll say it again a million times, earned those reps, but Kenyon Drake also deserved more reps. Albert Wilson, who was on an absolute tear for a Pro Bowl level season and actually earning that Pro Bowl bid instead of getting in from the popularity contest before that injury took his season away. Jakeem Grant, who was a special teams nightmare for teams. That guy was killing people on punt returns, kick returns, and having an impact in the passing game until, for some reason, Adam Gase, again, wouldn't play him more. So he has a chance to take a big step forward. Kenny Stills in that receiving core. He's still here. He's still a valuable veteran. He's still a very good player in his own right. Jawan James if he gets re-signed. Vincent Taylor and the ability to throw people around, add that pass rush arsenal that he had this year in year number two. Devon Godshaw, who's getting better every single game he plays. Rashad Jones is still a hell of a player, though his shoulder and his age make me awfully weary on him. Bobby McCain was miscast by poor coaching in 2018. The point of all of this is that there is talent. The talent pool does need to get better and they need some guys to step their game up and get into that elite level, but that's the case for almost every team in the NFL. And Miami's not a championship contender, but they aren't quite as far off as everybody wants you to believe. And a big reason for that, of course, is the quarterback. 
Okay, enough. That's it of the silly talking about losing games on purpose. Let's jump right into this Twitter mailbag. And you guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter for the questions. You respond, you get a handle shout out and the question answered here live on the podcast. Let's go ahead and jump right into the Rockpile Report. At Rockpile Report, you guys know Chris and Drew. I have done their show several times. What's up, fellas? They ask, how do you feel about Danny Crossman as the special teams coordinator? What I would say to that is listen to Thursday's podcast because I went very in-depth on that and we don't have to repeat the same topic two days in a row. So Rockpile guys, I've done you enough favors. You guys can send one back my way. Download Thursday's episode of Locked on Dolphins. Next question here comes from Cody O'Day. He is at AttractionLaw84. Choose one to retire after the Super Bowl. (laughs) This is great. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, or Skip Bayless. It's Bill Belichick for me because as long as he's there, they're going to be ahead of the game every step of the way. Whether it's cheating or legal, he's going to find a way to get an advantage whether he has Tom Brady or not. So it's all about Bill Belichick. I haven't watched Skip Bayless on TV since like 2004. So I don't, who cares? I don't care about him. And then Cody has a follow-up. Choose one current coach or NFL player to join the Dolphins for the foreseeable future. I think Belichick would have to be it, right? I mean, the guy, like I said, he's just the best to ever do it. I would love to have him in Miami if he wants to leave New England and come to Miami. So it'd be Bill Belichick again. Next question from Dan B. Finfan. He is at Dan underscore B underscore Finn underscore fan. That's a mouthful, bud. If you could choose one, tank for Tua, hurt for Herbert, or Kyler Murray as the future quarterback of the Dolphins, I'm taking Kyler Murray. It's my guy. I want someone that can just bail you out when the play call is wrong and make plays with his legs and his arm. He is super talented with the arm too. Folks tend to gloss over that. He does have some curious decision-making at times. But that's part of what he was in the Oklahoma offense. High-powered, high-level, high-risk, high-reward type of player. I think he's going to be fantastic in the NFL. Give me Kyler Murray. Next question comes from Chuck Shea. It's at CShea15. Should Miami trade Kenyon Drake if the price is right? It depends what the price is because if it's a second-round pick, sure, I'll take it. But I don't think anyone's going to even offer that or a third-round pick. Probably not even a fourth-round pick because Jay Ajayi in season when guys are more expensive to trade for, he only brought back a fourth rounder. So I think Kenyon Drake at best gets you a fourth rounder. And there's no way I would do that because I think he has so much potential that we just haven't seen yet. Next question comes from Ryan Norwood at R Norwood six. How much will the tank talk? And he quotes that scare off potential free agents, not just in 2019, but 2020. If we do tank this year and still have a very young team in 2020. Yeah, it is a big deal because Guys don't want to waste years of their career. The average NFL career, three and a half years. Everybody knows that statistic. You waste one of those years. What does that do for you? And once a team loses games, everybody on that roster is now on the chopping block or up for discussion to move on from them. So nobody wants to lose. Nobody in the NFL wants to lose besides fans that want a quarterback. So I think it's a big deal. And I think it would scare off potential free agents. Next question here comes from Nevermind. If guys, if you don't follow me, I'm not going to read it because if you don't follow, you probably don't listen to the podcast and I'm not going to answer the question if that's the case. So we move on to the next one from Morton Smedholen. I hope I got that right. At Morton SME. Do you think the Dolphins might decide to not draft a quarterback at all this year and rather build the O-line and D-line to prepare for the 2020 class? I mean, take the best player that's there. That's that's what everybody should do. And if it's a quarterback, do it. If not, go somewhere else. And it doesn't have to be offensive line or defensive line. There's weaknesses in the secondary at wide receiver on the tight end position. I mean, they can go anywhere in this draft. So I wouldn't really pigeonhole myself anywhere, especially not in February. 
Next question from Oliver at Brazil Candido. Hey, Oliver, I did get your submission for the LockdownDolphins.com position, so I will get back to you on that shortly. And he is at Brazil Candido. Besides Kyler Murray, who are three guys you'd be excited about taking? Add one surprise sleeper name. I think that he's talking about the first round. And I'm going to go with Ed Oliver from Houston. That guy is an absolute stud. Could play anywhere on the defensive line. I'd be all about getting him. Number two, I'll take Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU. He is an absolute monster as well and has that alpha leadership mentality like Jamal Adams had. As for a sleeper, I really don't have one, but since my feet are to the fire, I'll say Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, which I know everyone's going to hate the idea of taking a running back, but he is something special. And if he's there on the board, I mean, he's so good. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Obviously you have other needs, but he's a really good player. I'll put him in that sleeper category. Next question comes from Sean Patterson at Sean W. Patterson one. If Kyler Murray starts shooting up the board, would you trade Xavier Howard to get him? That's the only instance I would trade X is to go get Kyler Murray. So yes, I would. Next question from Ocean Jackson at Ocean underscore Jackson. Seems like everything the Finns have done this year is the polar opposite of what they used to do in the past. Do you buy the tanking idea or is it just clickbait phrase for reporters? Yeah, that's really what it is. And I know I covered this in the first uh, first segment of the podcast here, but that's all it is. It's one of those buzzwords that gets clicked, like, you know, Baker Mayfield last year or Donald Trump in any article. Those buzzwords are going to get clicks, and that's exactly what it is, in my opinion. Next question here comes from Finsanity at JustTheFacts23. With Parker likely on his way out, do you think Flores will try to bring over someone like Chris Hogan, or do you think they'll be looking to bring in other free agents or players cut from New England? I don't think so on Chris Hogan just because, I mean, what does is, what is Chris Hogan really offer you other than being like a fourth or fifth receiver that can maybe help out on special teams? I just don't think that's a move-the-needle type of move. Now, it could help institute some veteran leadership in the locker room, but I mean, I, I'm over that type of stuff, so just get talent. So I would say no. You mentioned Trey Flowers in here too. He's the obvious one, the, the go-to pick for that spot. Um, Danny Shelton and Malcolm Brown, definitely going to have to have some beef in the middle. The Dolphins don't have the big players like the Patriots do on the interior. I think Malcolm Brown could be a great add there. I think Adam Butler might be a free agent too, but I'll have to check my facts on that one. So there's a good possibility of seeing Patriots players come down south to Miami. Yes, there definitely is. Next question comes from Julian Luco at Julian Luco 10. I find it weird that Miami is leaking all these things through Armando specifically. Omar is right and that you don't talk about tanking. Why do you think they're doing this? Yeah, man, segment number one. It's, it's, they wouldn't give, I mean, you're not going to give away your, your hand of cards at the final table of the World Series. And that's where we are right now. We're coming down the wire of the draft, which is now less than three months away. I just, it's like you said, there's a reason that's being funneled through that one guy. And I think you're absolutely right. And you wouldn't put the idea out there that you want to lose all your games. You just wouldn't do it. And they wouldn't think that way. So I just, it's really been annoying to me to hear that talk over and over again. All right, guys, we have some more questions to get to here. And we're going to do that next on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. You can find the show at Locked On Fins. Getting back into the Friday Twitter mailbag here. We do have some more questions about the tank. If I don't get to your question, it's because I've covered it already, as we tend to do here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and jump right back in. This question comes from Conflict. He is at Conflict TD. When and how do you go from a casual fan to someone who is super serious about it and breaks down schemes and techniques? That's a great question. I actually haven't really ever been asked that. For me, 
it started off as fun. Like writing about the team was fun for me. Just kind of getting my thoughts out into the ether and having you guys or, or just a limited fan base read those. But once Locked On started taking off and people kind of started, I guess, respecting my opinion more, it was easier for me to get into it because obviously when something is successful, it's easier to do, right? And so that's kind of where I came from. But I've just been a football junkie my entire life, man. Like I love this shit. I love watching the games back on replay, on Game Pass, finding out who did what to make the play go right, who did what to make it go wrong. It's just, it's in my blood. And if you don't have that passion, you're not going to do it and you're not going to be good at it. So you have to want to do it is number one. I got a question here from A.A. Dominguez. He is at Rotomus Bowtie. I want to give you a shout out, dude, because you write in all the time and I really appreciate that. But I answered your question about the tank earlier in the podcast, so I'll move on. This next one comes from Greg. He is at GGT757. With the tank rebuild or whatever it's being called, do you feel for the right price that anyone on the Finns roster would be available? I think that you should kind of always operate in that way, except for at the quarterback position, obviously. If somebody wants to blow you away and give you a bevy of draft picks, I mean, obviously it didn't work out for the Raiders with Khalil Mack, but I mean, everyone has a price. So I would say, yeah, but you're not going to, I mean, you're obviously going to operate differently with guys like Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel than you would with a guy like TJ McDonald, for instance. So I think yes, but with a lot of sort of caveats involved in that. Next question comes from Bo Pick. He is at Bo underscore Pick. Ideal 2019 quarterback, assuming Murray and Bridgewater aren't on the table. I have been talking about Brett Ripien from Boise State for a while, and you know, he's not going to flash, he's not going to really blow you away with the big physical traits, but he's a smart guy. He's a cerebral guy. He's a hard worker and he comes from a good lineage. I wouldn't mind seeing him be the project guy in the later rounds, but if you don't get those two guys, I mean, just roll out whatever you can find because you're not going to win games anyways. So I really don't think there is an ideal guy really beyond those two and Dwayne Haskins, but I'll go with Brett Ripien from Boise State. Next question here from Drew Smith. It's at DRWW Smith. Who are your top three three free agency targets? Number one's Trey Flowers. I think he would be an excellent add to the defense and would allow them to do more things they did in New England and in Miami immediately. Number two is Teddy Bridgewater because I don't want to watch a season of Bryce Petty. And I refer to that as the Jets all the time. I don't want to see that quarterback play in Miami. Last year was rough because Tannehill had a terrible year. And obviously Brock Osweiler was garbage. The year before that was terrible because Jay Cutler was awful. I don't want to go through a third year of awful quarterback play. So give me Teddy Bridgewater over David Fales and Luke Falk. And number three, I'll go with Bradley Roby from Denver, the cornerback. I think the number two cornerback would be if we find someone that is going to play at a high level, that secondary could be really, really damn good. And I would look heavily into a top level cornerback number two, although paying him is tricky. So you might have to go to the draft, but I'll say Bradley Roby, Trey Flowers and Teddy Bridgewater. Last question here from Mr. Stubborn. He is at Abduarte underscore one. I know I messed that up, but hey, that's on you for having that name. Kyler Murray is off the table, but Ed Oliver and Greedy Williams are available. Who do you draft? Interesting that you said that because those were the three guys I put in order. I'm going Ed Oliver because you can move him all over the defense and play him something like 75, 80% of your snaps on the defensive line, which is incredibly valuable. But also it kind of contradicts the last statement I made because Greedy Williams would be that number two cornerback. They would put the secondary over the top. Either way, it couldn't go wrong. But Ed Oliver is an absolute freak who would help make this defense what it wants to be. So Ed Oliver is my pick there. Another fantastic Twitter mailbag there, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. We will continue to do those on Fridays throughout the course of the offseason. 
Real quick before I let you guys go, the Super Bowl's on Sunday, and I know we don't want to hear about New England Patriots or the Rams that got in on a fluky bad call by the officials, but I'll talk about the game here real quick. I think that what the Patriots can do on defense with Brian Flores, or I guess we can call it Bill Belichick's defense, I think their plan will be good to shut down the Rams' wide zone runs, the outside zone runs that makes that offense so successful and sets up the play-action game there for them. I think Sean McVay is limited somewhat in the variable formations he can do. Now, or in the formations that he can do, but he is very variable inside those formations. Jesus, easy for me to say. I think that also plays into the Patriots' hands a little bit because getting those two weeks to prepare for the Patriots is always an advantage for Bill Belichick and company. I think Todd Gurley is going to be the healthiest he has been since he was the best running back in the league back in October, but I think the Pats can do enough to take away the Rams' strengths both in that backfield and on the interior defensive line with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, as well as the run game, and force Jared Goff to be the one that beats them. And that's not a recipe for success. So I'm taking the stinking, no good, dirty, cheating Patriots to win their sixth Super Bowl. And I'll go with a 30 to 23 final in favor of the Patriots. Okay, guys, that is going to be my time for the week on the podcast here. And as always, if you have a smart speaker, you can pull up the podcast right away. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins podcast and get that thing rolling. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. On Sunday, rather, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. But now we